you think about the hiring of Jeff Saturday and the Colts, and is it is it the right fit? Well, I think we'll find out if he's the right fit, just in terms of uh, you know him getting hired by Jim Irsay. I, I think everybody was really taken aback by that, and you know my opinion is I, I think it's um, I think it's an insult to all assistant coaches around the NFL. Oh wow! Uh, who are aspiring head coaches that Jimmy Ursay took hired Jeff Saturday, who has no real coaching experience. I know he's been coaching his son's team, high school team, I think it is, uh, in in yep. Georgia. But that's not what you consider to be standard preparation for being an NFL head coach. So uh, I, I think I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good head coach. We we don't know. Uh, He's got no track record to fall back on to try to predict how he's going to do. Um, the, the thing I'll be looking for Sunday when, when they play the Raiders is how hard are these guys going to play for him? Uh, have, have they bought into what he's been telling them during the week? Or are they looking at him like, you know, what's this guy doing here? Uh, so I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating situation. But at the same time, I think it's it's an embarrassing situation for the NFL that one of its head coaches now is just, you know, kind of plucked out of nowhere. Right. And uh, kind of no experience at all. Yeah. I mean, that's it is. I mean, that's a very good point. Uh, I think he had a did you watch that? I guess like an introduction, like media meeting and yeah, what he had to say. A little bit of it. Yeah. He, he was like. I mean, he was pretty straightforward about his experience, and he's like, I, I basically have no – he goes, I have no idea if I'm going to be good at this, but I'm not going to back down from it. I mean, I kind of liked the attitude I saw from him, but you're right. I mean, I didn't think about it from a standpoint of other assistant coaches around the league or other internal candidates on the team possibly. Sure. Uh, so that's a good point there. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he obviously played for a long time. He was a very good player. Uh, probably learned a lot maybe about how to run a team by being Peyton Manning's teammate because, you know, Peyton was so involved yeah. in everything during his playing days. Um, I think he's a bright guy. I've spoken to him on occasion. Um, it's just it's just bizarre. I mean, you'd think that if he was interested in coaching as a career that he would have been doing it. Uh yeah, you know they really like him at ESPN, and he comes off very well on television. And uh, but there's just a big difference between being on TV and, and talking about it, and then and actually a being an NFL head coach. Yeah, <laughs> fifty three guys and having to oversee a coaching staff, and there could be some resentment on that coaching staff. Yep. Um, I, I would I would say that if this does work out and they look to hire him full-time, I would imagine there'd be a lot of turnover on the coaching staff at the end of the season as he tries to surround himself with his own guys. It's very hard to do that. You know, I mean, it's impossible to do that in the middle of the season to revamp the coaching staff. But right now, the, the Colts appear to be a real train wreck, both on the field. They're one of yeah. the more disappointing teams in the league. And now off the field with this hire, um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Jimmy Ursay 
for for this to work because he was so highly criticized for it. On paper, the Colts looked like a real competitor, but it's just like their performance does not back up what they look like on paper. And I think that's a – this team is a prime example of what having a good head coach, you know, and the right proper coaching at each position and each level. I mean, it's just crazy that on paper any team can look like a, a competitor or a Super Bowl contender, but it's just like you've got to have the coaching and the staff to back it up. And well, this- you know, Tanner, I would say, you know, just as important – because I think Frank Reich was a good coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as important as have a quarterback. And when, when you look at what's happened play. to the Colts since Andrew Luck surprised them by retiring, you know, right before the 2018 season, they've gone through Jacoby Brissett, uh, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz. That's right. Now Matt Ryan. Um, it's been a different guy every year. Um, and, and that's no way to build a winner. Right. It just seems they, they kept picking these veterans who were discarded by other teams and, and trying to make it work in Indianapolis. And, and, and that's just not how it works. I mean, you, you got Chris Ballard, I think, is a is a pretty good GM. But, you know, he hasn't drafted a quarterback there that you can say, OK, we're going to develop this guy and he's going to be the, our quarterback for the future. And I think that was the downfall. With, with Frank Reich is that he just wasn't given the quarterback really to win with. Now, Philip Rivers did make, um, I think they went 10, 10 and 6 in his one year in Indy and they made the playoffs, but they were a quick exit there. And, and that's the most success they've had since yeah. Andrew Luck. Man. Yeah, all good points, valid points. Um, let's move on to another topic. NFL rumors, what do you got for us? Yeah, uh, I want to just give a shout out to Footballism for giving us that question. Uh, if you yep. if you ain't if you ain't had a chance, you can definitely look at their account. They're almost two hundred thousand followers. Uh, they uh, they post a lot of great videos, a lot of funny videos, a lot of NFL videos from the games. So uh, you know, uh, there's somebody that uh, is a pretty good uh, account to watch for sure. Uh, another question that uh, the last question that we had here was uh, a big one. And I think it's in uh, Gary's wheelhouse. Is the Giants and the Jets going to make the playoffs? Well, well, I would say, you know, looking at, at the Giants, the next two games are at home against the Texans and the Lions. That should get them to eight victories. They're, they're at six and two right now. So right. that should get them to eight. And if you're just thinking in terms of the wild card, because I, I don't, I think Dallas is better than than the Giants, and certainly the Eagles are. Um, you'd say that the Giants getting to eight, and they maybe need to, need to get to nine, possibly ten, to get the third wild card. I think that sets them up, you know, really well. Assuming they get to eight and two, that means they just got to win a couple of games over their last seven to to get into the playoffs so I, I think the Giants have a really good chance even though they're not as good um as maybe their record would indicate uh, I think they're, they're winning with coaching and, and playing really hard uh and playing well in the fourth quarter especially you know late in the fourth quarter yes uh but whether it's sustainable uh to win this way without a prolific or even um 
mildly productive passing game because the wide receivers are are certainly below average. Um, I, I don't know how sustainable it is, um, you know, to go make any noise in the playoffs, but I, I think they have a really good chance. Same thing with the Jets. Um, the Jets have a really good roster. It's just they're not getting much out of the quarterback position, and they have good skill position players. I mean, obviously they really miss Brees Hall, their rookie running back, mm. who's out for the year. But when you look at the Jets' wide receivers and they have some productive tight ends, they're just not getting much out of Zach Wilson at this point. They're, they've kind of turned him or implored him to be more of a game manager because when they opened it up a little bit against the Patriots a couple of weeks ago, he yeah. Three horrible interceptions. <laughs> Terrible. So they, they, they've tried to dial it back a little bit with him. But I, I think both of these New York teams have an excellent chance uh, of making the playoffs, which is a rarity in New Very. York, make the playoffs in this, together in the same year. And the last decade, I mean, the decade of the 2010s, other than the, um, the Jets making it to the AFC Championship game in 2010, the Giants obviously winning the Super Bowl in 11, and then making the playoffs in 15, uh, it's been pretty barren around here, um, mm -hmm. especially the last five years. Yeah. Well, that brings me to another question. Of course, you know, uh, that's the big, uh, the big question around the NFL, and I've got a little bit of stuff on that, is uh, we Jay Glazer told us that, you know, uh, the 49ers – the uh, Cowboys and the Bills were the front runners for Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants could certainly use Odell Beckham Jr. because uh, definitely they they got some need there at wide receiver. Kenny Galladay's coming back, but you know we don't know how much he's doing. It's been a big disappointment there. So, but Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the the came out you uh, a couple of days ago that the Chiefs he told his agent that they're still in the mix. So, Odell Beckham Jr., Gary, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, I, I would, I still wouldn't, you know, take the Rams out of the equation only because, um, you know, they really want him back. He had success there last year. Potentially he was on the way to being Super Bowl MVP mm -hmm. until he tore his ACL yep. again in the Super Bowl. Um, and he lives out there. And he's always wanted to play there, and he only was there for – you know, a handful of games last season. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't count the Rams out, although they've had plenty of opportunity to sign him and get him back in the building while he's rehabbing and, and they haven't offered him the contract that he's looking for. A reunion with the Giants would be, you know, a pretty dramatic story considering the circumstances that he left under when he was considered just, you know, a problem in the locker room by the coaches. The players always loved him here. Mm -hmm. But the coaching staff at the time and general manager Dave Gettleman you know, they're trying to change the culture and they thought it was imperative uh, to get rid of Beckham. But everything has changed here now. New coaches, new general manager, the locker room is completely turned over. Uh, there's only a handful of players that remain from when Beckham played for the Giants. And they, like you said, they certainly have a need. Uh, they have Wandell Robinson, their rookie, who's probably right now their most reliable receiver. Mm -hmm. Galladay has done nothing for a year and a half after they gave him that big money contract. As big well. contract. Uh, Sterling Shepard is out for the season with a torn ACL. They, they traded uh, Kadarius Toney, their first-round pick last year. Um, they really don't have much at wide receivers. So uh, assuming 
you know, Beckham is healthy and ready to contribute in December, I, I would say the Giants would be in the running. I know he visited their facility mm -hmm. about six weeks ago when after Shepard was injured. Um, Brian Dayball said he didn't – it was either Dayball or the general manager, Joe Shane, said he was – they weren't even aware that he was in the building. I think he just went to the locker room and visited with some players and left. But, um, mm. you know, he's left the door open for a reunion with the Giants, so I, I wouldn't count them out. Uh, Jerry Jones, obviously, has been very outspoken, and Ezekiel mm -hmm. Elliott also spoke up on how much they want, you know, Beckham in Dallas, and you can almost picture him in a Cowboys uniform. <laughs> uh, he, he made the signature catch of his career, uh, that one-handed catch on Sunday Night Football. Against That's a good point. So, um, listen, he's a great player when he's healthy. Yeah, um, there's no doubt about that. He is but a... twice, you know, Tanner twice tearing his ACL. Same knee, right? Yeah, same knee, and you have to be concerned about. Um, it happened again, or how strong is the knee this time? And uh, you, you hope he can stay healthy because he's really a dynamic player. Yeah, and you know the Giants. Uh, well, the Giants—he's a fan favorite for sure. Like yeah, a lot, a lot of the followers for us is the Giant. You know, they're they're really, really recruiting the fans. I OBJ to to get the Giants. If he wants to get the Cowboys or to break the Giants' fans are. Well, yeah, I think they'd, they'd be okay with him signing anywhere but Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But I think part of his decision – depends if he's going to sign a contract for more than just the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. um, if he's looking to <clears throat> just be concerned with how the rest of the season goes, then you figure he'll, he's going to pick a team that has a pretty good chance of getting to the Super Bowl. If he's going to sign a multi-year contract, then he'd, he'd think he'll think a little bit more long-term – Right. And maybe a team, you know, like the Giants would be more attractive to him because, you know, the opportunities that would be available to him off the field in New York uh, and and getting back to a franchise. I mean, he always liked playing here. Mm -hmm. It's just that I, I think he was young and immature at that point. And, it, you know, it's it's three or four, it's four years later now. And I think he's grown up a lot and would handle it, you know, a lot differently. Plus, like I said, you know, the coaching staff is different, and, and Brian Dable is a, is a very uh, player-friendly coach, and I think he would enjoy playing for him. So I, I think it's wide open, really. Maybe he just goes where the most money is offered, the most guaranteed money is offered. Yeah. Maybe he goes where he's got the best chance to get to the Super Bowl this year, or maybe he just goes where he thinks he wants to settle. I, I read a quote from the other day. He wants to put down some roots, and so I believe he said that on a podcast, didn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure. I just remember reading the quote, Tanner, and mm -hmm. um, you know, so it might be where he he wants to live. Mm -hmm. And um, I know he's he had a baby right after the Super Bowl. His girlfriend had a baby, and um, you know, maybe they want to settle down in an area that they're comfortable living. And um, so I think there are a lot of factors that go into it. It's interesting to me that he's really going to be in demand, considering what his physical situation is going to is coming off that second ACL. But I think you have to project and and look what he can do for your franchise if he indeed is healthy. Definitely, definitely. Um, 
Well, I was just going to switch gears just for a minute, Gary. You know, uh, I know that, you know, like I said, you've been somebody that I've looked up to for years, and it's the reason I, I got into this, right? I got into – I love the NFL, you know, and the reason we got into, you know, doing the rumors and uh, reaching out and, you know, working through sources to get the news. And, you know, you're, you're one of the big reasons that we do this because oh, you're somebody you. we looked at. Uh, and I want you to talk to me just for a second for when you were on the inside the NFL, like how that was. And I know that I know Chris Collins was there and he's grew on to be an announcer. Uh, what, what was that like? Well, that was, that was great. I, I did that for 13 years from uh, 1989, 13 seasons, 89 through 2001. And it was just a tremendous experience to me. I, I loved every minute of it. Um, that show was very impactful at that period of time, uh, they used to bill it as it's the show that the pros watch. And, and that was really true because I was able to walk into any locker room in the league and players would come up to me who I hadn't met. And How cool is that? Themselves. Yeah, it was, it was really neat. Uh, you know, I can walk through airports and have people come up to me and just say, Hey, I saw you on inside the NFL last year, last night. What do you think about such and such? Um, so that, that was a fun part of it. Um, was the exposure that I got, and it's helped me, you know, in many facets facets of my career since then. And then just working, you know, the first year it was me, Len, and Chris. I'm sorry, me, Len, and Nick. And and Chris was had just retired, and and he was doing features, so he wasn't in the studio. And then the second year they brought Chris into the studio to, to be one of the three co-hosts, you know, to add a little. I guess, youth and uh, a player who had played recently to put him on the desk with uh, Nick and Lynn, who had played in a different generation. And, you know, I continued doing the news and notes uh, segment on that show. And, um, you know, at various points, we added uh, Jimmy Johnson in his two years in between uh, Dallas coaching the Cowboys and coaching the Dolphins. And most of the time he did it from his home in the, in the Florida Keys. Occasionally, he would, if he was to hmm. be up in New York, he would do it in the studio. And then when we did road shows, he would always fly to where we were doing the road show from, which was about once a month, uh, once every six weeks. He would meet us in the city and, and be on set for that. And um, and then Jerry Glanville joined the show, uh, I think, towards the end of the run that I had there. Um, and... You know, he was just, you know, he, he was just fun to be around, as you can imagine. Um, so it was just, again, I have only positive memories of that Great. show. Um, and and the impact it had on my life and, and my career. Well, it had a really positive impact on me as well. So I just want to say that that was something uh that was really great. And I, I really think you did a, a great job there. I just, mm -hmm. I hated, I hated to see Lynn Dawson this year pass away. That was, yeah. Rough. Let me tell you something about Lynn. The nicest man or the nicest person um, I've met in this business in the 40 years I, I've done this, C considering he was a Super Bowl MVP, uh, an accomplished broadcaster. I mean, he did the nightly news on Kansas City all those years. Uh, he was he was like the calming influence on inside the NFL because Nick was a little more volatile 
and a little more emotional. Um, so it was that that show was uh, nothing negative about you know what's going on now with that show because it, it's you know the, the cast is different and it's 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 not on HBO anymore. But you know during that period of time, um, it, it really was the show like I built it like I said before the show the pros watch. And not, not only that, I, I think it just had a tremendous viewership mm-hmm. among football fans uh, because that, that was with the days before you would see every highlight of every game on ESPN or, uh, you know, some of these other uh, networks. Um, and then we would have the NFL Films highlights with, and a lot of the players were mic during those games. And so... The footage, which took up about, you know, 20 to 25 percent of the hour of our show, all the footage was just really unique and really behind the scenes. And and people just loved watching that stuff. And we would show something from every game. <laughs> um, it, it was it was really and it was so well produced. Uh, it was so professional. Um, it, it was really just a great show. One of one of a kind. And there's nothing like it on TV right now, including the current version of Inside the NFL, which is to me is is nothing compared to what we had going there for a long. To what time. it was, yeah, uh, I loved it. I loved like you were saying, Gary. I loved the highlights. I loved your insight. Always was like, hey, it's Gary Myers time. Uh, you know, I get to hear all the news, and uh, then also, uh, you know, to see the highlights of the games. Uh, you know, see the players mic'd up, seeing them excited, and uh, you know, getting to hear Lynn, Chris, uh, Nick's commentary. Uh, so uh, I always got a kick out of Nick when the, there was an undefeated team. You know, uh, <laughs> absolutely, he was always getting ready to pop the bottle of champagne <laughs> when, when that team would lose, and we'd get a kick out of that. And uh, you know, the, the other thing that people don't realize. And they wouldn't have any way of knowing this. Is that fun? That show was just a lot of fun to do. Um, it wasn't like it took an hour to tape and we were in and out of the studio and see you next week. I mean, we were there all day. And so there was a lot of kidding around and joking and teasing and storytelling. Um, if you can't have fun at work, then work is yeah. no good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very, that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing for me also, uh, when I think back about, and I started, like I mentioned, in 1989, and they offered me the job when I was still working in Dallas. Um, now, it turned out that before I did my first show for them, I was hired by the Daily News here in New York. And so all, all the pieces fit together for me that they were they were willing to fly me in every week from Dallas to do that show. Uh, and I gladly accepted but between the time they offered it to me and, and the time that I actually started doing it in September of 89, uh, I had moved back to New York in May uh, to work for the Daily News. And so, needless to say, the commuting to that show became much, much easier for me, just taking the train into the city than having to take a plane into the city. <laughs> and so uh, it made my life much easier being here in new york and then doing that show for 13 years oh yeah yeah great well i just want to talk uh, real quick about 
this upcoming week, right? Uh, what mm-hmm. what stories are you really focused on with the games this week? Well, I think one of them is we t- we talked about earlier was you know how are the Colts going to respond uh, mm-hmm. to to Jeff Saturday? So uh, although that game in and of itself isn't that intriguing, you have two teams with with losing records, and the Raiders have been probably the biggest disappointment in the NFL this season. Um, but I'll, I'll just be looking to see how, you know, like I mentioned before, how hard do the, the Colts play for for Jeff Saturday? And then, um, you know, I think I, I want to see if the if the Bucks can can get on somewhat of a roll here. Uh, they were fortunate to win the game against the Rams last week. It was a horrendous game when you think it was a matchup of the last two Super Bowl champs who had had high-powered offenses, and now both are struggling this year mm-hmm. to even get in position to kick field goals. So, you know, Tampa-Seattle in, in Germany, um, obviously it's it's an intriguing matchup because it's their first regular season game. Is that game – is it in Munich? Is that where it is? I, I, uh, I, think, I think so. And one of the things, Gary, that we tweeted out last night was if the Bucks lose – they're still going to be in first place at four and six. Yeah, I know with the, with the Falcons losing um, to Carolina, another just dreadful game on Thursday night. They haven't yeah. had a great schedule. You got to hope that they give Amazon a better schedule next year because <laughs> you know, a lot of people watch those games. Mm-hmm. You know, get it ready for the weekend to start and to get stuck. Not a good one. debut for Amazon Prime. Well, I mean, I think the broadcasts have been excellent with Al and, uh, and Kirk Herbstreet. Mm-hmm. Um and you know the production has been as good as any of the networks. It's just right. they just didn't give them a slate of games that you know people would consider to be must watch. And for the money that they're paying, I think they deserve better. And I, I would be really surprised if it's not a better schedule of games for them uh, next year. But anyhow, I'm looking to see if if the Bucks can get things going a little bit mm-hmm. to not. To need to win Sunday to get sole possession of first place in a horrible division is really surprising. And um, they just haven't resembled uh, certainly their Super Bowl team from two years ago, even the team from last year um, that easily could have beaten. You know, they had that great comeback against the Rams and they could have won that game and advanced uh, to the championship game. But I, I think Brady still has an in him, I think, to, to get hot and for the for the Bucks to to win a bunch of games down the stretch. But the 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 switch has got to be flipped at some point. Otherwise, we're gonna all come to the conclusion that you know what we've seen from the Bucks so far is really who they are. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with you. I agree with you. I figured that the Bucks uh, definitely got to get on a road, got to get something going. Uh, you know, I think that is that's going to be pretty big. And like you said, I think the Colts is a game that is very intriguing. Josh McDaniel, a lot of the Raider fans want him going already. Well, you know? so that's, that's unfortunate. I, I, you you got to give a coach a chance, although, you know, he took over a team that did make the playoffs last year. I mean, they were in the wild card game and, you know, could have beaten the Bengals. So it, it's not like he took over a team that was four and thirteen last year. You know, guys, the other, the other game I'm really intrigued by um, is is 
Buffalo um, and the Vikings, the Vikings are playing, but mm-hmm. more, more so because I want to see what's up with Josh Allen and his elbow. And his elbow, yeah. yeah That's a big gonna, question mark. You know, if he is going to play in that game, and I guess we won't know until Sunday, how, how yeah. effective can he be? Mm-hmm. Now, he got hurt last week against the Jets, and it's important to note that after getting injured, his final pass of the game traveled like 69 and a half yards in the air, which would not be an indication of a guy who's got a serious elbow problem. No. But we don't know exactly what's happened, you know, in the time since Sunday and, you know, what the diagnosis is. Um, I know he's logged two do not participate in practice. You know, I don't think he's practiced at all all week. Okay. Trying to uh, really, I guess, just rest that elbow. Um, and it's looking like, at the moment, it looks like Case Keenum is going to be lined up to start, but they haven't said anything. They're they're not going to confirm anything probably until game time. Yeah, I mean, as good as the Bills have been this year, yeah, the, the Jets and the Dolphins are right behind them. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of margin for error here. And um, the I'm just trying to think. Yeah, the Bills and the Jets both – I mean, I'm sorry, the Dolphins and the Jets – have already both beaten uh, Buffalo. They haven't played in Buffalo yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they already, you know, have that one victory over them, you know, with a chance to sweep and have a tiebreaker. So, you know, Case Keenum is a is a capable backup. And it'd be intriguing if, if he's the guy, if he does start Sunday, if Josh Allen can't go, that he's starting against his – Red-hot Minnesota Vikings. Well, his former team, mm-hmm. and he'd be throwing to Stefan Diggs, and that was the combination of Minnesota a few years ago for the Minneapolis Miracle. Good point. Yeah. And now they'd be going against their former team. So we'll see what happens with Josh. I, I think when you have an elbow injury on a quarterback, it's always – or elbow or shoulder, it's always a major concern. And, um, you know, you have to trust the doctors – and if they're going to prescribe rest is the only way to get this thing to calm down, then in the long run, they're going to be better off sitting him down for a few weeks and, and trying to yeah. get his elbow right than, than rushing him back and potentially making it worse. Yeah. One of the things I'll mention to you, Gary, is uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was talking about it last night uh, on the nightcap that, mm-hmm. you know, it was the reason that he came in for the Bengals was because Carson Palmer had the same injury and he didn't set out and he decided to come in. And when he did, it knocked him out for the season. Mm. Yeah. I mean, every injury is different. Um, he ha- Josh had the same thing with something very similar in his rookie year in 2018. And he sat out four games. So Gosh. again, I, I don't mm. know if the severity this time is, is similar to what it was in 2018, but you know that's what they did four years ago. Great. Well, uh, just uh, I want to. I know that we've took up a lot of Gary's time, but we really, really appreciate him. It's an honor for me to have him on here. Like I said, he's somebody that I've looked up to for years. Uh, Gary, tell us anything that's going on on your side of the fence. Anything that you're working on? Well, I'm. If I was to turn the camera around, I'd show you the desk I'm working on here. It's got piles and piles of of transcripts for an interview that I'm from a book that I'm uh, 
Uh, I'm just about finishing up, hopefully in the next week, and it's going to come out next September. Great. It's called Once a Giant, the story of uh, victory, tragedy, and life after football. And it's about the 1986 Giants Super Bowl champion team, championship team and, uh, and how they've dealt with life after football. So I, I really think this is an important book from the standpoint that probably the biggest issue uh, facing players of yesterday, meaning retired players, players of today, mm -hmm. and future generations of players, what's their life going to look like when they're in their 50s and 60s? Mm -hmm. And we've heard a lot of individual stories with CTE and, and players, you know, tragically committing suicide as a result and players having trouble walking memory loss issues. So I, I thought it was really important to, to write a book that would address a lot of this. And so I decided to concentrate on one team and I picked the 86 Giants because I always wanted to do a book. I've written five books, but I, I've never done a, like a New York centric type book. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to do that in you know my home area. And this team is filled with players now who are in their 50s and 60s. So it was the age group I wanted to concentrate on. So I decided to tell the story of the 86 team, not necessarily the 86 season, because that's been done so many times, especially right after they won the championship. So I sprinkle in some memorable moments from that season, but really concentrate more on the behind the scenes stuff about player relationships and how they felt about Parcells and Belichick and what the relationship was between Parcells and Belichick. Did anybody in that period of time look at Belichick and think, boy, this guy's going to go on and potentially be remembered as the greatest coach in NFL history. And there's a lot of really funny stories in the book as well as some story. I just tell people it's heartwarming and heartbreaking. The stories huh. that I tell in this book. And um, so again, it's coming out right around the start of the 2023 season. Um, and hopefully people who are watching and listening yeah. to your podcast will, will want to pick it up. Yeah, definitely. We have a lot of great giant followers, and uh, definitely I know they will be excited to pick that up. I'm excited to pick that up myself and read it. Where, where will we be able to get that, Gary? Well, just, you know, any place where people, you know, bookstores, if people still go into bookstores, but, you know, certainly on Amazon and you know, all these different websites where uh, they, they sell books. And we're going to do, uh, you know, a pretty good publicity tour on this as well. So, you know, I'll have further information uh, for people, you know, where they can get it at the appropriate time, where they can pre-order it if, if, if so desired. Right. Okay, great, great. I'm excited about this. Uh, definitely being a big football fan, the Giants uh, that year was a very special year. Have a lot of great players in there. And like you said, there's a lot of players, you know, now that suffer from a lot of different things. And I think it's very crucial to bring that up and bring notice on that. Um, yeah, I was just going to say one other thing about it. I think people mm -hmm. are going to be blown away by some of the um, experiences that these players have, have gone through um, health-wise, um, levels of despair that they've experienced, things they'd considered doing, um, and you can use your imagination on that, um, to relieve themselves of the situation they were in. Fortunately, they didn't follow through on that. Um, there's, there's really, 
a, a lot of stories in this book that, um, like I said, heartbreaking and heartwarming and um, a good share of, of both of those. Great, great. Well, uh, definitely, we're going to be really glad to have it. And definitely, you are our first guest on the podcast. And I did that for a reason, because you're uh, very special to to NFL rumors, for sure. And well, that's uh, really nice to hear. I appreciate it. I'm happy to come on with you guys. And um, I wish you a lot of luck with with the podcast. Well, thank appreciate you. That. Thank you. Tanner, tell us a little bit about what you got going on just really quick. And uh, so where everybody can find you. Yeah, so um, Tanner Pfeiffer NFL on Twitter and Pfeiffer Football on Instagram. The podcast is up on YouTube. It's going to be available basically on every podcast platform. Apple, uh, Spotify, I believe uh, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all of these uh, other platforms as well. So you can find us all there. Um, we're very, very pleased to have Gary Myers, uh, NFL legend, you know, just just grateful to have you as our first guest on this podcast. We, we can really see this podcast going places. Um, with, we've already got some great stats on it just in the first two weeks of doing this. So we're yeah. glad that you could be a part of this. And uh, we're just well, grateful I'm, I'm for your I'm honored that I'm the first guest. So uh... Yes, sir. <laughs> great. Um, do you have anything to say as an outro today? You're talking to Mr. NFL Rumors or to me? Uh, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think that, um, you know, it, the second half, once we get to Thanksgiving of any season, when I covered the Cowboys in Dallas, Tom Landry always said, he always called that the turn for home. You know, the Cowboys would have a Sunday game and then the Thanksgiving game and then have the 10 days off. And yep. once they got to thank, once they got through the Thanksgiving game, they, at that point in time, there was usually four games left in the season. You know, the final quarter of the season, the schedule is a little bit different now. But he used to call that was the turn. That was the turn for home. That's when you want to be playing your best football. And I think that, I think that still holds true. That once we get to Thanksgiving weekend and maybe the weekend after, that's when things start to sort themselves out. Yeah, and you, you start to be able to identify the teams that are going to be the real serious contenders for the Super Bowl. So that's always exciting. We're reaching what I can always consider to be the most, you know, exciting and, and fun part of the season. Well, well, definitely me. I'm excited about that too. And excited to see what can happen with these New York teams too, Gary. And we're just going to keep following you with that. And uh, we love your commentary there on Twitter and, uh, also, uh, guys, make sure that you're following NFL Rumors. We're almost at 178,000 followers. So, uh, you know, we really appreciate all the followers and their support. And, uh, you know, keep in line for that OBJ news. We'll, uh, when we hear it, we'll break it for you. And we'll break, up, uh, break down all the rumors that's going on around the NFL. So uh, keep, keep on the lookout and uh, make sure you turn your notifications on. And, uh, we'll we'll let uh, Tanner play us out. Yep, I'll play that outro right now. There we go.